We have been richly, richly blessed this last six weeks to have John uh, with us. John, thank you for sharing your gift of preaching. I think uh, let's give him uh, some appreciation. I know you've got another full-time job, and uh, maybe your gifts are, uh, are only about matched uh, from preaching by your love and your heart and your care for those that hurt and struggle in this world, and is evident through your words that it's been uh, great that you have blessed us uh, during this time. Let's pray real quickly, and I'll let you get to it. Father God, I thank you for John. I thank you for his heart. I thank you for bringing him to us for this period of time. Father, uh, thank you for the way he has challenged us. Thank you that you have allowed your words to flow through him. Father, this morning, I pray that we'll hear another message. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears to what you have for us today. Father, we, we are grateful for your love. We're grateful for the way that you bless us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Adam. Well, let me just thank you. I've richly enjoyed this time with you. I'm a big fan of this church. I'm thankful for your ministry and your mission in the world. Uh, And I hope I've been able to serve that and fuel that as you've kind of explored ways that you will will take God's mission of love throughout Allen Allen County. And I'm just down the road, so if you ever need me to come back, I'm happy to do that. If I just kind of get a goofy grin on my face just in the middle of the sermon. Don't worry about it. I've been smiling since last night. My nine-year-old son hit his first over-the-fence home run. (laughs) So we're still kind of beaming at our house. Cybers are not built for speed, but we're country strong. So he got a fastball inside and turned on it and took it over the 175 sign in left field. I'm coaching first base, and I'm kind of watching, and I'm thinking, man, that's going. That might hit the fence. And so I'm waiting to see where it bounces off the fence, and it didn't. So we had a lot of fun at our house last night. As I was putting David to bed, he walked over to his wall calendar, and he marked April 5th, first home run over the fence and circled it. So... That's a great day. So this is a a monumental day, April 6th, the day after David's first home run. (laughs) I won't spend any more time on my David. I want to tell you a story about another David, a story that we tell our kids in Sunday school about this boy named David that's a shepherd and about the day that he slayed a giant named Goliath. I know we tell it as a children's story, but it teaches an important lesson for adults. This is the model of biblical faith. If you want to see faith in action, look at the boy David. He's just a youth, and he wanders out of the fields into this adult world where Saul the king and his mighty men are engaged in battle against the Philistines. And they're stuck. They're afraid. They don't know how to slay the giant, the Philistine warrior, Goliath. 
And this young boy, David, walks in and says, I can do it. And since everybody else was afraid to go do it, Saul has no other good options. He has to concede to letting this kid give it a shot. Even though Saul says, you're not going to be able to do this. You're just a kid. He's been a man of war for years. But David thought, look, if I can kill a bear or a lion when I'm tending the sheep, surely I can kill this man, Goliath. It seems terribly naive, doesn't it? The innocent ignorance of youth. But what it is really is faith put into action. David says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul says, Okay, I don't have any other options. I'm going to let you do this, but at least wear my armor. Well, that's a joke. It swallows David up. It's heavy. He can't move. He says, don't worry about it. I don't need the armor. The Lord who has delivered me in the past will deliver me again. So he takes off the armor, and he goes out to meet the giant. And all he takes with him is a slingshot and five smooth stones. When slaying an animal, it usually took more than one stone. And so he goes prepared. And there he stands across from the giant. And he takes one of those smooth stones and he puts it in his slingshot. One shot. And Goliath falls down dead. The God who has delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. What a simple story, but what a powerful one to teach us about the nature of faith. You see, faith is courage. Faith is the courage to go out. To go out and meet giants. Faith trusts in God alone for deliverance. This story is called a contest story. Or a confrontation story. And there are many like it in scripture. And it's there to show us What faith is, that it is the courage in tough situations to move forward, to say yes to the mission of God. We see these stories, they're tough situations, often situations that are over our heads. They're more than we can handle. They're beyond our capabilities. They are those moments when we find ourselves out of our league. And yet, we go forward anyway, We do it anyway. These stories are common in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. But there are some in the New Testament as well. 
And I want to move from, from David's story to one that we find in the book of Acts. It's a story about the mission of God as it begins to move out into non-Jewish territory, into new parts of the world. It takes place in Samaria, just over the border of Israel. And there we meet this man, Simon Magus. Magus means the great. Simon the Great. He looms in the story like a combination of of Goliath and one of the priests of Baal. He's a powerful figure. His power is not physical might, but it's magic. The story says that Simon had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the nation of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great and that all the city gave heed to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is that power of God which is called great. And you can almost see his top hat and cape, can't you? Simon the Great. Simon Magus. Well, then in this story comes along a guy named Philip. He's one of the apostles. Like David, he's a shepherd of sorts. Not a shepherd of sheep, but he's a shepherd of the people of God. He's a pastor, a preacher. And he's called to go into Samaria and preach the good news of Jesus. And notice, there are no names to describe Philip. He's not Philip Magus. He's not Philip the Great or Phil the Magnificent. He's just a poor preacher. He reminds me of the preacher who went to buy a used car, and he finds the car that he wants, and he looks at the price tag, and it's going to cost $25,000. And he looks to the salesman, and he says, I can't afford that. I'm just a poor preacher. And the salesman says, I know. I've heard you preach. Philip is just a poor preacher. He's like David before Goliath. He comes into the contest armed with only one thing, faith. And unlike David, he doesn't really volunteer for the job. He really doesn't know what he's getting himself into. He just goes into Samaria by faith and stumbles upon Simon the Great. We can imagine him encountering Simon and kind of with a big gulp, doing what he was called to do. Do you know what happens when this poor preacher goes to Samaria and preaches about Jesus? Simon Magus doesn't even put up a fight. He sees what's happening in the lives of people as they hear about God's love in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. And as they receive that good news and are forever changed, he sees countless numbers of people baptized. He sees people hearing the story of God and reclaiming it as their own story. 
And so here in Samaria, we move from a community amazed by Simon's power to one transformed by the power of God. And even Simon is amazed by this poor preacher. And you see, it's just the same old story. It's David and Goliath all over again. It's the courage of the faithful to face the giants in life. But there's an interesting twist to this story. Now remember, I warned you, Philip was a poor preacher. So poor, in fact, he wasn't doing baptisms correctly. Evidently, he was baptizing people in the name of Jesus, but not anointing them with the Holy Spirit. And so word gets back to the headquarters in Jerusalem. And so it's time to send some first string preachers down. Some of the executives from the home office to take care of this snafu. And so Peter and John come on the scene. They head to Samaria to clean up Philip's mess. And they go around town saying, receive the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, Simon Magus sees this, and he wants to know what kind of hocus-pocus is going on. This looks like some magic spell that is worth his time. And so he pulls Peter and John aside And he says, look, you show me how to do that, and I will make you rich. You just tell me, name your price. Peter, shocked at this display of raw ambition, rebukes Simon. He says, your silver will perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. And this scene is where the word simony comes from. When people try to buy influence, power, or high office, we call it simony after Magus. But the focus of today is not simony, but rather the contest between faith and magic. You see, there's a difference between the two. Magic is speaking words that will change things out there. Faith is trusting in the word that will change me in here. And the point of the story is that the power of God is more powerful than any magic in all the world. Even when it is spoken by a poor preacher. Even when the preacher can't get it right. Even if he can't get anything right. Even baptism. The power of God is not limited by the competence 
of those proclaiming it. Its power is not unleashed only when we get the formula right. No, it is a power that is bigger than us and we cannot control it. We can only submit to it. We can only be transformed by it. And we can only faithfully share it with others knowing that God will unleash its power as and when God chooses. Evidently, when Christianity began to spread outside of Israel into the Gentile world, it was confronted with many people like Simon who wanted to receive it as some new form of magic. Christianity was an exciting new development because it would be some kind of hocus-pocus powerful formula that could manipulate the world out there so that things could be the way we want them. Many people were drawn to Christianity not as faith, but as magic. As something that would give them control and power to make things the way they ought to be. And here and now today, if we are honest, many of us would prefer Christian magic to Christian faith, wouldn't we? I know I would. I think many of us would. Just listen to our prayers. Our prayers often sound like magic spells. Attempts to manipulate and control the power of God. Spells that we hope will bring some hocus pocus into the world and shazam. Make things the way we would prefer them to be. Oftentimes they are our requests to God to make life easier less frightening, more secure, more comfortable, more prosperous. They are our attempts to manipulate the world around us. Prayers can be a cosmic power grab where we try to make God work for us. That's what Simon Magus wanted. And he was willing to pay top dollar. When he saw Philip transforming people's lives with the power of God, he wanted to control that power for himself. I confess, often I want to believe in magic too. Life is too stinking hard. There are too many things I feel powerless to change. And honestly, I would much rather God unleash his power in changing the world than in changing me. 
I think most of us would. Sometimes that desire sneaks into the ways we teach kids to pray. I listen to how we teach children about the power of God and about prayer. Little Johnny loses his whoopee and prays to the great Merlin in the sky to help him find it. And Shazam, there it is, under the bedpost. Thank you, God, for finding my whoopee. Little Sally looks at a day like today and prays that God will make the rain go away so she can play her soccer game. And little Timmy's been praying for three years that the Texas Rangers would win the World Series. And when a three-year-old prays that way, it sounds so cute and endearing. But when little Johnny and Timmy and Sally grow up, they often face a crisis of faith when the great magician no longer works his magic. When there's no Shazam to suddenly spare Johnny's mom from cancer. When there's no hocus pocus that will deliver Sally from years of infertility. No matter how much Timmy prays, he can't actually get hired to do the job he's trained years for. They learn a hard lesson. Christianity is a faith. And it's not magic. We cannot use God for our purposes, can we? And when it comes to suffering and adversity in life, God's love spares us from absolutely nothing. It is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. But hopefully, stories like David and Goliath and like Philip and Simon Magus will ring in the ears today of Johnny and Timmy and Sally and hopefully in you and me too. And that we will understand that while Christianity doesn't magically exempt us from the struggles of this life, while it does not keep us from facing giants, from encountering adversity, it does provide us courage to do it anyway. And to do it faithfully. And you see, that's what's powerful about our faith. What is powerful about our faith is not that it magically just transforms the world around us. 
No, what's powerful about our faith is it transforms regular people. Flawed, dysfunctional, vulnerable, broken people, imperfect people to be used in mighty ways for the purposes of God. That's what's powerful about our faith. What's amazing about Christianity is that it's a story about how God uses people, young men like David, poor preachers like Philip, and a ragtag bunch like you and me to slay giants. Active faith is not anxiety and fear masked as religion. Faith is not believing correct doctrine. It's not believing in the correct things. It's trusting in one thing. Um, It's not holding on to doctrines and traditions as much as it's letting go of our fears and our anxieties in order to take a risk. It's not so much a matter of reciting creeds as it is doing deeds, especially difficult ones beyond our capacity. See, faith is very different than magic. And you'll know it when you see it, church. Because it looks a whole lot like courage. It was early on a Tuesday morning in Macon, Tennessee. Nathan Dickfren-Reed got up, let the cat out. As the cat walked out the back door, the hair just stood up on its back, arched its back, and it hissed. And just then, Riley Arzenault, a former Marine who was serving 25 years in prison for murder, jumped out with a shotgun in hand. He had escaped from Fort Pillow State Prison. A few days earlier, he and four other inmates were on the run. But the authorities were on their tail and closing in fast. It was wintertime. Riley was scared and freezing and hungry. And as he pushed Nathan back into the door of the house, Nathan yelled to his wife, Louise, Lord, honey, open the door. He's got a gun. And Riley pushed Nathan and Louise up against the wall. He said, don't make me kill you. Louise is a 73-year-old grandma. Looked at Riley and said, 
young man. I am a Christian. And I do not believe in violence. And there will be no violence in my house. Do you understand me? Now you put that gun down and sit down. I don't allow violence. Put the gun down and he sat on the couch. And he looked up and he said, Lady, I'm so hungry. Haven't eaten in three days. She said, Well, young man, you sit here. I'm going to go fix you some breakfast. She turned to her husband. She said, Nathan, go get the boy some dry socks. Grandma Louise went to work in the kitchen. She cooked up eggs and bacon and toast and made a fresh pot of coffee. She got out her best napkins. She set the table. They all sat down to eat. She took Riley by the hand and she said, Young man, let us give thanks to God that you came here today and that you are safe. She prayed and then she asked Riley if he would like to say anything to God too. He didn't say anything and so she just told him, what to say? She said, just say, Jesus wept. So Riley said, Jesus wept. And she said, amen. And they ate breakfast. Later, someone asked her, Louise, why did you tell Riley to say, Jesus wept? She said, well, I figured he wasn't much of a churchgoer and didn't know much Bible, so I thought I would start with the shortest verse in the Bible. After breakfast, she took Riley by the hand. She looked him in the eye. She said, young man, I love you. God loves you. God loves every one of us, son. But you especially need to know that God loves you. And that God's son Jesus died for you because God loves you that much. About that time, they heard the police cars coming. And Raleigh said, they're going to kill me. She said, no, young man, they are not going to hurt you. You did wrong, but they are not going to hurt you today. Because God loves you. And then she took his hand and lifted him up from the table. She had Nathan get on the other side of him. And the three of them headed for the door. And they went to the porch and they walked out. And they were surrounded by the authorities. Police everywhere with guns drawn. And Grandma Louise said, Now y'all put those guns down. I am a Christian. And I do not believe in violence, and there will be no violence at my house today. And what do you think the police did? They put those guns down. And Nathan walked Riley to the authorities, and they handcuffed him and took him back to prison. Later on, Louise was asked, Man, weren't you afraid? Weren't you frightened? And she said, no. 
Nathan was. He was scared, but I wasn't because I knew God was with me. I knew God had sent this young man to me for a purpose. And I knew God would lead me in the right direction. Church, are you scared? Like Nathan? Or do we sound like Louise? Because Louise sounds a lot like a young man named David. The Lord who has delivered me in the past will deliver me again. You see, that's faith. That's what we're called to have. Faith. And when you see it in action, it looks a whole lot like courage, doesn't it? And that's the word I want to leave with you, church. Be courageous. Courageous.